0: Oh, ladies and gentlemen welcome back to fitbit
1: pod my name is ben lomas and with me always my dear friend too i see you ben 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 i this is uh super exciting you know we've interviewed some fascinating people across the yes. the comedy world and then once in a while We absolutely lucked out with some genuine fucking superstars. And I can't believe it, beaming in from Los Angeles itself, it's ARIA award-winning, just a fucking earworm music maker. Please welcome Ben Lee.
0: Thank, Thank you very so much. I'm He's here. I'm comedy
1: adjacent
2: and I'm ready to <laughs> <No>. <laughs> ready to chat.
1: You are comedy adjacent. You are comedy adjacent. Are, it's, maybe that's a decent place to start, which is that okay. you, you were running some comedy shows in Sydney during a uh, lockdown, and the uh, and I was set. I would think I was gonna come over for one, but then the, the, the lock borders stayed
2: shut and it all fell through. But yeah, you are very
1: comedy adjacent. How did that come
2: about? Uh it really, I think. Look, I always loved comedy like as a kid i remember like being into like eddie murphy and andrew Mm. dice clay and everything and then (laughs) what a combo (laughs) but yeah that was just what was big in the 80s True,
1: (laughs) raw and delirious are the biggest influences on me i would say because i'd never seen stand-up before that so i think because you're 1978 ben yeah Uh. yeah Mayor Lovas, you're seventy. I'm
0: 1980, so I... Yeah, like, and I'm I'm
1: just... a, yeah, so we're sort of in the similar generation where those stand-up specials were massive, you know? Yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. And then when I, I moved to LA and I started playing at this place called Lago in 1996, mm. and that is a place that was really, like, just sort of the music and comedy worlds were very interwoven. So yeah. I would do things with like Margaret Cho and... Yeah, was like Mount- Maron always... and stuff there. Yeah, like just, all, you know, there's always yeah. interesting people there. And it just sort of like, it made me realise that there was... Music and comedy don't intersect everywhere, mm. but the space they do is a place I feel really comfortable. Um, right. I don't know why. I think it's like musicians... We love... Comedy but we also like that we have the freedom to dip in and out of it as we want Whereas like comedians have to kill with every joke we can also just get abstract and vague and wander off, and then be emotional. And it's like it's kind of fun that it's like one of the tools in our arsenal, you know. That's yeah, like Yeah. So well, there's a nice crossover a bit.
0: Yeah. You can then, just disappear into the just into a really nice solo that may go for eleven minutes.
1: <laughs> exactly, and then the joke's on you, audience. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> the thing is, this as well. I see a lot of a uh, lot of live bands. You know, they they essentially have bits between songs, and there's there's there, uh, uh, there's like a guy called Steve Pultz that. Tours Australia, a fair bit, and he's essentially part stand-up, part you know folk musician because he tells these wonderful, elaborate stories of when he used to work with Jewel and things like that. But it's, it's a stand-up story, you know. It's got the yeah. I love,
2: I love, I love that. I just think the skill set that you build, basically by standing on a stage by yourself, yeah. whether it's singing songs or doing stand-up, it, it's it's the same thing. It's like you build this weird resilience against where you can kind of handle anything so- and. You get tested in a very profound way, like how good are you? How how strong are you? How you know how flexible are you?
0: And and, and that and that I assume goes with time. Like I've I've gone over the years and seen Colin Hay at a lot of festivals. And some people are actually hanging for the story between the sometimes of the song, right? Right. Like, oh, he's telling this one again.
2: I love this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. That's also just being Irish, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yes, here's the thing, though. We don't, We in stand-up, there is an element of, because surprise is where the laughter comes from. And after a certain point, no one really wants to hear the hits. You kind of want to hear your new take on stuff. Whereas with music, I think is more leaning towards, no, no, give me the thing that I fell in love with over and over again. This is rather than, you know, maybe there's, Sort of the the offside resentment, which is like, oh no, but I've got this
2: new stuff. I'm really excited about sharing with you. Like, but nah, serve us what we've been eating for a while. <laughs> I think that's that's a hundred percent it. I think in what so yeah, I started with what musicians have in a way over comedians is that we yeah. don't we don't have the pressure where everything has to be this like ha killer hilarious. Yeah. Thing. But but the 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 downside is that we get really locked into doing the same things for decades if they work. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, comedians, that's, like, blasphemous, the idea that you'd be doing the same bits for 30 years. Uh-huh, totally. uh-huh.
0: Except for, except for the odd exception of, like, you know, Billy Connolly, where he, just after a while, everyone wanted him to do the Last Supper bit, where he's like, I'm so sick of that bit. But people just wouldn't want to leave. But that's, like, the and, Yeah, and exception. Steve
2: Martin. You know, yeah. I think you have to become, you almost have to become, like, an arena artist. Yeah. That people aren't really even coming for the comedy. They're just coming for the... Oh, it's a superstar! He does yeah, it. yeah, yeah, it's, a, yeah, yeah. it's a new to art form. Dance altogether. for us, yeah. yeah! It becomes a new <laughs> art
1: form, and and it's definitely like I think Eddie Izzard's uh, the the Death Star canteen bit, or or um you know Gaffigan's Hot Pockets, or even Eddie Murphy's Goonie Google. Like I would pay a thousand dollars to watch him do the 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 the, the barbecue of his dad, uh, you know, home barbecue cookout. Uh, I would pay so much money to watch that live. Uh, it's just one of those things. That- that's
2: interesting. Night. I I never think that. Like I I I think wow. I'd love to see- like for me. So for instance, the other night I did a gig at Largo with uh Neil Brennan, who's working uh-huh. on some new material. Uh-huh. And he, for me, hearing him do fifteen minutes of like really just figuring it out—that's my favorite. Because I love that you can really see comedians. Um, they're also noticing what's really cracking them up. Like they're paying really attention to that. Once it becomes like, I don't know, once it becomes too known, once the territory becomes too known, it almost, then it's like, you're just into like show business. It's well, like, yeah, hey, yeah, let's razzle dazzle us you know technology. well the
1: danger of it is uh, is removed and so goes the vulnerability as well and the yeah, vulnerability is i think what people really gravitate to with stand up because for a lot of people it's a there's a fear of public speaking and when someone's working on something new they are as scared as they were on day one maybe maybe they'll recover at least for me i can speak for myself like i am scared as when i'm doing new material as afraid as i was when i first did the gig but now i know that if i bomb it's a bad night at work, not a bad career, because I've done enough of wins, you know what I mean? But but that fear in the moment is still so real, and I think people will gravitate to that. And I love the new future. Yeah,
2: I agree. I think that is, that's that thing where there's a performer on the edge and you know that yes they'll know they'll survive it but it's a horrible feeling to bomb and you just kind of you know they're risking it yeah
0: well i had it last night which again i I always love at first but i was trying new material last night did two gigs and then towards the end there was a lovely woman who just went you're doing really well
1: (laughs) (laughs) is this the same one that encouraged chamberlain yeah i think it was was but a a different one michael Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A what, a, it was, what a beautiful, it was, encouraging man at the comics lunch. I mean, I was it's so before. funny because it's
2: like she's saying, it's like she's saying, um, don't believe what they're saying about you. <laughs> 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 don't take it to heart. Don't take it to heart.
1: It was hard, so, so, two things for me though that, that pops to mind is a what is an equivalent of of like a musician version of bombing because in a way, you know, the song, the art still exists regardless of the audiences interaction or engagement with it the song can still be there but with comedy if people are laughing the art form is questioned did you yeah. actually do the job it's results and, driven and the second part of it as I said in a more positive note is something I've always been jealous of I guess not in an unhealthy way but just in an admiring way is with music and you've created something that was in your brain at some point it was just you know somewhere around you've put you know you put it on, on, on guitar or whatever music to the uh, lyrics to the song and all of that you put together and then you have thousands upon thousands of people singing it back to you what that feeling must feel like is something that as a stand-up I don't think I can ever at, the, at least the version I do right now I don't think anyone's going to be repeating my jokes to me but so two parts to that what is the equivalent of bombing and what's that feeling like
2: yeah I think the the thing with The feedback I guess you're looking for as a musician is a little more abstract. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like when I have a new song, me and my wife, we've just argued about this so much (laughs) because sometimes I play her something and it appears as if I'm asking for verbal feedback, but I actually just want to see what happens when I share it with her. And I can tell that from her body language. I can tell it from the expression in her eyes. It's like I'm looking for a feeling that she's connected to the work. So
1: uh-huh.
2: it's almost like that that is the same in an audience in a room. It's not necessarily laughter. It might be that it just is that you're holding their attention. That yeah. you're creating Is the word the, think it ethereal? Is, is that the word I'm looking for? Something that maybe, is not yeah. like tangible. It's not tangible. It's it's just a feeling that you're like communing with them and that uh-huh. the journey that you're going on Is one that you're taking them with you and they're happy to be there and they're going on it too and that might include getting a little bored at some point or it might include getting sad or it might include getting energized but they're basically moving with the flow of the music and that to me is the equivalent so so bombing is just when you feel that there's that no one's going with you but the difference is you can get lost in the music uh-huh. like i've done shows where they're like underpopulated or the crowd doesn't seem there, and i actually know the music sounding really good yeah and okay. i'm just like vibing on it like you know those stories about like miles like turning his back to the audience and playing and uh, because it's right. like a yeah, private yeah. there's a private experience too wow. and the other thing was about uh what was the second part?
1: The to second me. part was in when you've got a song, let's say... as Feel free to end, ask
2: like... the questions one at a time. You don't need to front-lay
0: Just to give it like a perspective, Ben, it's like you just yeah. talking about that and sharing like a new song that you've written, that you've put there, and you're sharing it with your partner. Yeah. For me, all I could think about is I've been with my partner for 25 years, and the idea that she's the only person in the room as I try this new bit of material <laughs> is arguably... My nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, like literally, I was like, I'm trying to think. Surely there's something worse.
2: No, no, that's it. That's,
0: that's,
2: <laughs> it's like, I'm, a I'm lot adding... of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, I guess.
0: Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's just like I know that over the years, I've I've bombed a lot in front of my partner.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it sort of depends. I think also there's like a right and a wrong place to seek counsel. Yeah, um, there are, and in particular, I particularly think when we're younger we sometimes ask for feedback in a way that is going to derail us or we receive unsolicited feedback in a way mm. that does derail us because ultimately the creative energy in you knows where it wants to go and yeah. you don't have a choice with that you know like for instance I'm working on this song at the moment and it's sort of like a, I guess it's like sort of a christmas song but not really it's called santa was a psychedelic mushroom and it's uh <laughs> and the song is actually about um how you find magic in your life um but it's sort of under the it's using the format i guess of a christmas song um yeah. uh-huh. but i think when i told Ionia i was writing a christmas song she was hoping it was going to be like baby it's cold outside right or, or like a more heartwarming type thing yeah. and so I could tell she got disappointed when I played her the song, but once she accepted, oh, this is the type of song he wants to write, then she got into it. And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I I can't take advice on which direction to go in because that's for me. That's just between me and my music. But in terms of how I go in the way I want to go, I can take some input. Well, there's yeah, a
1: lot that of stuff. That, oh, absolutely. There's a few things here I want to launch off and I'll get back to the follow-up question eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is, this, is yeah. this is very interesting to me because I think uh, what the, the, the the origins of the podcast is about how me and Ben Lomas, we had a bet about we were both 125 kilos. Uh, first one to get under 100 kilos gets $1,000. And then once we both got under you know that weight, we've been sort of getting people on to talk about well-being and how they essentially you know, what makes them happier and what doesn't make them happy and what are their approaches to well-being in this very broad term, right? So, uh, and in that, I would try maybe using this moment, as you said, you know, got to be careful where you get your counsel from, but let's just use this as a, a launching pad for maybe a, a therapy session for me a, a, in one question, which is my relationship with my partner, Maddie, it's about a year and a half just over. And I am at the phase where I have like, um, due to various health issues, I've put on weight and I'm trying to now get back onto a more consistent nutrition and, and, and exercise kind of routine. And I've literally, we've talked this out where I've said to her, I don't know the support that I need from you right now. And what I mean by that is there are times where I'm like, I feel like I need to kick up the ass, but when, if she were to give me that, which she hasn't by the way, cause she's very good at, you know, meeting my needs, but, I would feel really sad i'm like you're the one person who i need to like get me unconditional love it has nothing to do with my weight you love me because of who i am and no matter how big my man boobs get you're still gonna love me and find me attractive that's the one thing i want but on the other hand if she shows me that love and affection i'm like well of course you're gonna say that because you love me as if you you know what i mean like i really don't know how to use this connection and trust we have with each other to push me to achieve the goals that i want so how long have you and i only been together as a couple and she's also extremely creative and obviously has worked in you know I mean when I think about the Hollywood movies that she's been part of that's a whole other different story yeah, yeah. but you both have been in this place of being at the top of your game and knowing how difficult those things are how do you guys support each other and and what is the sort of you know in the, say in that term of feedback how do you figure that out as a as what's the support you need from her and vice versa
2: yeah well we've been together I think it's about 15 or 16 years and um, I guess we both being creative people, we, like our first date was to go see a documentary about John and Yoko. Right. So baked into our relationship is the idea of two creative people trying to figure out how to make it work together. So that's so, so perfect. That, the fact that that's it was sort of like, Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's just who we are and it's both, it's what we wanted. Like we both uh-huh. really wanted to be in a sort of creative union.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And some of that you
0: is... which that's rare, Ben? I feel like that's rare these days, two creators in a relationship. Or well, do you see more of it in LA or...
2: Uh, yeah, I see a fair bit of it. I mean, right. they're the relationships that we look up to. Yeah. Uh, you know, just if, if, in Hollywood, you know, obviously it's like most marriages don't work out. <laughs> but then you see, And often the ones that do are like second or third marriages. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, because people like once they just chase glamour, once they, you know, they make a few mistakes, you know, and then they kind of make an adult choice. Like I, we like um, Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen. Like yeah. Their yeah. Marriage.
1: How long have they and, been going for? Like, yeah. It's, it's a while, but they're yeah. just also
2: like really supportive of each other and really right. in love. And they always say just inspiring things. Anyway, I think it's. um,
0: I want that now. I
2: haven't even
0: thought about that. Like, like, like have another couple of similar things that you kind of look up to. Like, yeah, I, I think it's yeah, like it's like just like having
2: it. it's like having just role models in any yeah. area it's, it's nice and it doesn't have to be creative people like sometimes you just meet people in nice long-term relationships yeah and they just inspire you because they make you feel like oh it's possible you can uh-huh. do it you can be the way you are and you can accept each other and it can still be there can still be attraction and inspiration and intellectual rigor like a word that I only used a lot when we were getting together in terms of what she wanted was she wanted to be with someone she could admire. And I feel the same, like I hadn't thought of it like that, but I think admiring your partner. And I don't mean that in terms of like worldly success, just in terms of their qualities. That so you is, admiring, that, is that adjacent like,
1: to respect, like admire and respect? It's kind of
2: in that same category. Yeah. And it's just that they're, what they say has value. Like yeah. I, I think of her as, I think of her, her insights as needed in order for us to move forward as a family. Like her oh, mind, her heart, her speaking my language. It's like I can't do it myself. I know yeah. my choices aren't always that good. And, so you,
0: and know. you don't want to do it yourself. Like I, that's what I find myself. I I, I, I say to her, I like. We do this thing where even when the kids are crazy, like even this morning, it's term three. We're trying to get them out the door. You know, we're out of practice. We had a lot of school holidays. And I'll just say, like, I sometimes just stop and go, there is no one else in the world I'd rather do it with. No one. Like, absolutely no one. I love doing this with you, even when it's hard, when it's good. And that both makes us smile because we're both on the same page. It's true. There's no, there's no one else.
2: It's yeah, no one else. And, and it's just all collaboration, like, whether you are in the arts or not, whatever, you know, it's like, it's a collaboration. A family is a project. and it follows the same rules as every other type of collaboration so i think in some ways artists having you know we get a lot of we get all our romantic and sexual experiences in our lives but we also get to study the rules of collaboration and how to keep those healthy and keep them dynamic and and also respecting that like collaborations are they move to their own rhythm that's like not in our control Like I've had collaborations that go for a finite period of time and they're hugely dynamic. It's like you cross paths with someone and for three years, you are just like in sync and you're just making things together and you're, you know, and then just one day suddenly it's sort of over. Hmm. And I think, you know, I I think marriage is not like that, but in a sense, the lesson you can learn from that is not to try and control the Hmm. actual like essence of the relationship too much because there is a magic to it like when people ask us for relationship advice generally I say I don't know I mean Uh I don't know how we make it work or why it works I just know that there's something in that when I look at this person I go I want to keep doing this with you and she feels the same back and that has got to be the most vital ingredient that Uh I can consciously offer
1: uh uh-huh. And does this uh, analogy resonate with you? I heard someone talk about chemistry versus compatibility, where chemistry is just like this spark; it burns really bright, whereas compatibility is like more long term and something that you can build together. And the analogy was like a matchstick versus a candle. So a matchstick burns ooh, big sparks, but it runs out very quickly. Versus a candle, there's this steady calmness to it, and there's more longevity to a candle than is necessarily a big spark effect. There's not really; it just kind of lights up and it's there but you really want the candle around a lot longer than you do, than you get to have with the match.
2: Yeah. Right, so, except yeah. you can't really light the candle without the matchstick. Totally. And awesome. I think no, that's mate. good. That's and good I point. think they do, you <laughs> need both these things. Like there uh-huh. is an initial spark that basically in our society is attraction. It's different in different societies where they had a range. Even in arranged marriage, you'd get that half an hour to meet with uh-huh. someone to go, yeah, is yeah, this yeah. the person I'm going to... There, yeah. there has to be a spark that makes you go down the road uh-huh. And it could be sort of an illusion because you may be uh, attracted by things that are not what they appear. Uh-huh. But there has to be a spark to make you take the leap. And then you want to keep it, yeah, you want that. And, slow and, you, can,
0: and you want this though. I do love the idea of taking the analogy just a step further away. You light the match and there's a the spark. Then you light the candle and then the candle's mm. burning. And then you're both hugging and then you both look across the room only to see your three-year-old holding the candle. <laughs> <laughs> and and also,
2: and also then you might want to light another candle and you can use candles to each other. You can yeah, also yeah. relight matches from candles. So we could just keep going with this. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's the Jewish one? The menorah, is it? Where you have multiple yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eight crazy dads. <laughs> yeah. That's where it came from. <laughs> um, where are you? So, okay. So I'll finish the question that I asked before we went okay. back when, which, was that feeling you will get when you're performing a song that, you know, at one point was in your brain and now all of a sudden you have thousands of people? So let's take um, Catch My Disease, one of the catchiest songs. And knowing that you're coming on the pod today, the whole morning I've had cigarettes will kill you. That, that, uh, <laughs> the piano, uh, whatever the riff, what do you, I don't know yeah, what you yeah. call it, that's in my head all day. So that, that being able to do that is, is mind blowing to me in itself. But then I can't, uh, well, what's it like when you have people resonate with it so much that they're able to, repeated back to you at this full force like what was like the biggest crowd you performed and, to uh catch my disease and had them singing along with you in the chorus and just for context
0: just for our international listeners is it's just that song is so big but it's also part of me growing up because we're a similar age but I, I was listening to that when it came out like we're only two years cool. apart it was it's part of it's part of my growing up so i'm, I'm always fascinated that when you See people who, you know, I listen to that song, my kids are that song. How does it, like, how does that feel having that back at you?
2: Yeah. Well, there is, the songs are funny because they, I actually heard Billy Corgan talking about this the other day on a podcast. And I thought he said, Fashion Pumpkins, yeah. Yeah. And he said it quite, he explained it quite well. He was like, some of these little songs are designed to become these life changing things, a few of them, a few special ones. And there are other ones that we make, and it seems like, they're not for everybody. They're just for a few listeners. But we love them all equally. It's uh-huh. just they all have different roles to play. And and yeah. and I do feel that, you know, the gratitude... When I think about the sort of three or four songs I've had that have been, like, life-changing songs for me in that they've changed the trajectory of my career and mm. allow me to, like, make a down payment on a house or, yeah. or you know, like, songs... Or those are the ones that people... And it's funny because when I play Catch My Disease at a gig, I almost feel like it's the audience's song. It's not my song. Yeah. Right? And I sort of I feel like, like I'm covering like it. This. Yeah, and I'm- that's probably what, with them singing back, it's sort of like they kind of don't need me here for this. <laughs> they could do this on their own. They know this as well as I do. This is theirs um, now, right? I'm down right away <laughs>
0: with horses. Like he doesn't need me here.
2: Yeah. To be <laughs> and so I kind of like, I sort of feel like that's the part of the gig that like, that's for them. You know, it's not to say, it's not to say I don't, I don't love the song. I mean, I I do love the song and I appreciate it in a myriad of ways, but I also feel that it's like a ritual that they are participating in and I'm participating in and we're, okay, we're going to do that song now. And it's just a different... It's a different type of experience
0: it's funny you say talking about billy as an example as i it was 2000 and uh, i think maybe 12 i was in san francisco and i was like i saw them i was like oh my god Smashing Pumpkins. like i haven't seen them since festival hall when i was 16. i was like i'm absolutely going to that and then billy actually said on stage hey guys just to let you know uh the first 10 songs uh they're kind of for me and uh, then from my new, you know, I'm working on. Um, and then after ten, that'll be eleventh song. I'll do Rad and McCage. So if you want to come back, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh wow! <laughs> like the honesty That's... on stage, I was like, and then and then the difference there was like, you know, maybe four hundred of us compared to when I saw him at Festival Hall, where it was just you could barely move and couldn't get in. And I just, as an artist, like, you know, how, how do you go with those waves? With those, like, like you said, like each song plays a role in you. But how do you go with those? ups and downs with your creativity
2: yeah. well i've sort of um i've experimented with removing myself from that dynamic yeah. uh i've done sections of my career that were just entirely dedicated to the experiments that i wanted to do and play the music i want to play and and i i've i've toyed with that a mindset of like i don't even have to play this song like i yeah. i I've I've done that and I've done that and I'm now at a space where I suppose it's what they call it's funny because I don't think of it as like selling out, but there is a there's a nature of compromise that comes with building something. And yeah. I think building a reputation as a trusted performer uh-huh. where the audience feels that they're not gonna be disrespected is Performing the songs that they've paid their money to and then mix them up with whatever else you want to do. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like you can be that type of artist, but you will then get the reputation of that type of artist, which right. is like you don't know what you're gonna get when you go see him. <laughs> right. It's like yeah, it's yeah. probably gonna be cool. It'll be cool. Yeah. But but don't expect anything. And then you get this, like I've had that in the past, like a sort of wild card reputation where people are like, okay, let's see what he's doing. And and I'm now realizing maybe this is more like getting into the next chapter of my life, that I'm okay with the compromise of being a responsible entertainer for my audience. Talk to
1: me more about that. I think that people, obviously not all our listeners can necessarily relate to the idea of of being a a musician, but there is a thing about fear and fear of trying new things. and, And there's a bravery to being able to explore like be vulnerable enough to try something new not knowing how this is going to end and say even if i look at it as a health or weight loss type thing it kind of takes a leap of faith to go okay i'm going to try you know whatever intermittent fasting or i'm going to try keto, or i'm going to go for a run more often or whatever there is this leap of faith yet i find for me personally it takes a while for me to overcome that fear because i'm scared to 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 do it and fail so what level of kind of composure do you have to be able to push through that fear? Cause I'm assuming you still feel the fear, but they, you're able to still action it. So do you yeah, have an I understanding mean, as to yeah. how you got there?
2: Well, I think of it as more that. So let's just start with the kind of artists I grew up admiring. Uh-huh. when quite courageous. Right. The kind of people. Who are the I artists? Admiring. Who are they? Bob Dylan, David Bowie, um, uh, this artist Jonathan Richman, uh, just artists that experimented.
1: Right. I uh, mean, when and I they, think of experiment, I think of Bowie straight away between, yeah, you know, the number they're of... Just artists who,
2: they're just artists who, were, who worked within the pop framework mm-hmm. for large portions of their career, but also wandered off for various portions because mm-hmm. they kind of understood that the engine that was keeping the whole thing going and you're essentially, you know, as a, as a popular artist, like someone like, you know, David Bowie or whatever, or Taylor Swift, you're, you're, you're a CEO. You're running a company that's employing a lot of people. And I think what people like Bowie and Bob Dylan understood um, is that what's really keeping it going is the engine of the artist's own curiosity. Mm. That the artist's right. own curiosity is what got everybody there in the first place. Right, And if you forget that and you just become a performing monkey or you're just trying to appease the shareholders, you see, you do see a lot of people's careers. They just sort of like, they're like very responsible. They're really yeah. responsible careers. But where's the fire? Like, like sooner or later, like I want to see people take some big swings Uh-huh. because I think like, even if they fail... I like the spirit with which they take that swing. And, and that's this, what I look up to people for. And me, this links you know? back
1: to the Neil Brennan story you were saying that you saw as well in that moment of seeing, going regardless of outcome, here is someone brave enough to have a swing. Give it, you know, uh, uh, you know, give it a fair go as they say. Just give it a red yeah. hot go. And 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 I guess that also does feel a counterintuitive or counterbalancing with what you said about being reliable as well. So I think finding that ability to... Comfortably experiment, but also not disrespecting the audience's time. Forget the money that they're spared to say that. When I think of stand-up, right? If I bring it to our world, Ben, like I've done big shows at theaters in regional towns and stuff like that, and we'll have an international act who's kind of just doing it because their management told them. For us, it's a big opportunity to do this, but they're like, "Ah, oh, fuck it, I don't care. This is some, t- you know, country town in New South Wales. What do I give a shit uh, about Mori, New South Wales?" So they'll do 20 minutes of new material and bomb and i find that really heartbreaking because that family has spent five fifty dollars a ticket times four of them over two hours i'm like no 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 you owe it to them to I, it's okay to do it new but fucking wedge it between your good shit or something you know what i mean Show that you care that they made the effort right so i think balancing those two things but do I you think just,
2: sometimes you is good. it possible to show you care through being willing to experiment too because i think sometimes also autopilot is a way of disrespecting the audience too.
0: But it's, I think it's uh, where, where you are. All right, oh yeah, okay. It's I, where I think your, it can be both, it can yeah, be I both, think, yeah. I, mean, I think it's also where you are in your career as, as well. Like if you have that ability, like I think in our world is like, in, and whether it's, it's you need a level of consistency to know that you're reliable. Once you've established that, then therefore there is room uh, to experiment if, if you're the one experimenting from the get-go in saying that there are amazing comedians who do that there's a great comedian we you haven't come across him is called sam campbell and his level oh, of experiment yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah and his yeah. level of exper- experimentation yeah. has gone to a level where it's so consistent yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. like he's taking it experimental like <laughs> it's if, always
2: if, a noble failure even if it's a failure <laughs> yeah a, yeah and,
0: and so I, I think sometimes, like, I'm in the process of, as well at the moment. Like, I, like, at my first gig last night was that thing where it's like, I sometimes realise that I, I can't go straight into jokes. I need to feel the room, where it's at, and what I'm doing, and who's here, and what energy they're portraying. And it's taken me a while to be able to do that. But then I realise that that's my form of experimenting before I go into my, my my written material. And that's because I do a lot of warm-up for TV. I do a lot of emceeing, I need, I just need to feel the energy of, of, of people. And that's why I'm always kind of quite fascinated with musicians that quite often that energy of creativity has to really start within. And sometimes it's just you and that instrument. And I just find that, like, I'm always fascinated from a creative perspective, like, you know, Dylan and I will be backstage. Where do, you, where do you find your muse? Where do you find that creativity when it's just you? Does it come in flows? Does it come in? Yeah. in have you, do you do things to bring it up?
2: Well, like last night I was, you know, I just flew back from Melbourne yesterday. So I, oh, I, I did that nighttime flight where I left at 10.30 at night and landed at 6.30 at night um, <laughs> the, the same day. Yeah. And um, I was lying in bed and I was like, oh, just, I'm ready to go to sleep. And my wife was watching something and I was in this total, you know, when you're so tired, you're like in like a hypnagogic like dream state or something. Yeah. And I just had this idea for a melody. And I, it was fully like an angel and devil on each shoulder where like part of me just was like, you'll remember it tomorrow. Just go to sleep. Go. And yeah. the other part of me was like, look, no more fucking around, right? I'm in my forties. I'm either going to be the type of man, the type of artist <laughs> who hears a melody and gets up and hums it into his phone or I'm not. It's like, I'm not putting this off anymore. It felt yeah, like yeah. this very, like, a little moment where you realize, like, if you want to be in the realm of artists who can tap into stuff, you've got to do it. There's no yeah, shortcut. You, nice. you can't wait for tomorrow, you know? Right. So, so I just, I roused myself out of sleep. I hummed into that phone. I haven't heard it yet. Here, I'll play it for
1: you. <laughs> <the two laughs> this is huge. Let's this is a, this, this is a scoop for us.
2: So that's that. That's uh, it. Yeah, right. And Jingle bells, Actually, Jingle I'm bells, hearing bells, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, I, I just think this is about the relationship to the muse. Have you seen the Albert Brooks movie, The Muse? No. no I well, haven't. with the, yeah. with the Sharon Stone. yeah? Sharon Stone. It's worth yeah. seeing. It's not a yeah. perfect. It's not. It's not Lust in America or Modern yeah. Romance. It's like yeah. you know, it's a la- it's a latter one. But she plays the muse, and she's someone who is hired by writers who have lost touch with their mojo. Uh-huh. to train them, to basically reconnect with the muse. Right. And it is, th- the analogy of having a muse is, it's a great symbol because you've got to show up for it. Yeah, It's like, you've got to be willing to get yourself out of sleep. It, like, it's like, you want the big prize, but you don't want to make any sacrifices. Yeah, You may, yeah, get, yeah. It, you may get it every now and then, but you're not going to have a consistent relationship with it. And I view it as my creativity it's like the more I give to it and the more I fight for it and the more I show up with it, the more it flows. And Uh I'm now in this stage where I've got like, I've got like five or six projects going on simultaneously at the moment. And they're all vibing. And like in my mind, I don't even have to keep to-do lists. It's like, I think of the right thing to do for each of them as they're right. going and we're just like i'm living it's like I'm you're surfing. jamming you're jamming I'm jamming with, man i mean yeah. it but i've earned that respect from these projects right. i've like with yeah. each of them i've like i've shown up for them and now they're showing up for me yeah and i just view it as like it's a very reciprocal thing and it's a it's, process it's,
1: process guys, loving wait. kind of thing as opposed to a goal like you know what i mean i think there's a lot of that in in what you're saying which is that you've learned to respect the muse showing up and you'll show up for it and it's like Oh, forget about whatever happens with the thing that you played us. It is irrelevant of what happens with it. You were willing to put that work in because that's what matters. Not their final product, but you showing up for it.
2: That's exactly it. And I think that like we you know, it's funny because especially in rock and roll, but in comedy too, like we develop a certain type of performance swagger and we mm. like we come out of Muhammad Ali and, and you know be like, Yeah, I'm the king of the world. But we're a leather the, jacket. Yeah. yeah, but the truth <laughs> is you need a deep humility to be involved with creativity over a long term because it's gonna kick your ass. Oh, yeah. And it's gonna take you places you don't know and you gotta kinda roll with it
1: and serve it. It kind of reminds yeah. me of Paulo Coelho, who wrote Alchemist, said that he didn't write The Alchemist. He was just the vessel that The Alchemist came out of. Like he just happened to get someone else was telling him what to do and he kind of wrote it. So I love the humility of him not taking credit for it, almost saying that he was just lucky enough that it came out of him. You know yeah, and I, mean? I think
2: we're sort of all like that in a way because ideas are – who knows where ideas come from? Like science hasn't really been able to tell us. Like ideas <laughs> – they they come and they don't come. I think it's a touch melodramatic to be like I'm a vessel for these ideas, oh. but I do think that like With we should capturing. have that attitude. We should have that. Att- yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. Tom Waits talks about almost more like being a fisherman.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, or like yeah, that yeah. type of
2: thing where you're just like you're out there, and it's like the amount of hours you put out there on the fishing line is going to be sort of proportional to what you catch.
0: Well, can I, can I just give you a classic example? So is is I, I find myself losing ideas and I'm reading this great book called Killer Ideas where it's just like, well, how do you capture them? How do you hold on to them or how do you explore them? And I went to Officeworks because I was like, well, I've got my phone and the kids know that sometimes like I just need to write this idea down and my daughter loves it when she's in the room because she's like, is it one of my ideas? <laughs> <laughs> but then the, what I've had interesting is like, I went to Officeworks, I was like, hi, I need a, I need a whiteboard. I just need a little whiteboard, um, you know, and so I can just and it just it yeah it's like she goes oh is this are you a scuba diver I said, oh, no, no, I'm I'm not a scoob. I know what she
2: goes. What is it? it's, well, it's, it's, is that the biggest whiteboard buying community? Know, I did not know I that. Mean, I thought like a teacher, a teacher.
0: Because I, I was trying to, because I was saying, I was like. I was saying, I was that is a crazy assumption.
2: It's like blowing my mind.
0: I, I was shortening the story. I was shortening
2: the story. I was shortening the
0: story. Because I said it's for, it's for a moist, wet area. And I couldn't, have, oh, I should have, just, yeah, I should have yeah. just said it's for my sauna. Sauna. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, I just I said that. You. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, because, like, is it a scuba diver? Are oh, you at
1: an orgy? Why is it warm yeah. and moist? Either? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And,
0: so, and so now I've got like a little whiteboard. Yeah. It just in, in, in the sauna. Cause like I found myself, because I'm, I'm really into the cold, hot therapy. The amount of times I'm in the sauna going, this is, but I have nothing there. I, I'm not going to remember it and then try and put it in the moment So now I'm just like, I just try and write it down, like you know. And so it's just a, another form of how do I capture it so I don't lose it?
1: Yeah, yeah. In, cool. in the in the interest of sharing, so notes, I just, I just, I, I just had a, a quick look at my uh, my little notes, and they are horrendously. Uh, embarrassing. most recently I've written my first sex dream. I was so young when it happened that I woke up before the sex part of it because I didn't know what was meant to happen next.
2: <laughs> like I remember
1: literally going, okay, I'm turned on. I know this girl's got naked. <laughs> But I knew that people did something afterwards that you only see like in movies, uh, like the undersheets. I didn't know what it was. So I panicked and I woke myself up <laughs> because I didn't know how the rest of it would.
2: But- <laughs> okay.
0: Just on that note, my other one that yeah. I've just, I was like, I'll just check mine. Mine's burning pieces of giant Jenga. And that's only, that's only because my mate hired a beach house. And then they were like, oh, this must be the wood box. And then started putting wood. I need to realise that he thought it was weird that all the pieces were the same size. So he was burning the board game in the beach house.
1: <laughs> oh, he burnt Jenga. <laughs> ben, we need to come in close to wrapping up. Uh, you, If you say... Uh, what the equivalent of you needing to perform at peak. Let's just say it's a a, a live show, a concert. That's a big one, uh, and at nighttime. What are the things that you can do during the day between for yourself, as well as balancing the family and and your and your partner, uh, versus that that make you perform well? And what have you noticed the things that uh, are necessarily during the day that can actually not get you to that peak performance? Like what are your, your I guess, good habits and bad habits in that? Space?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think of it in terms of the longer you go down the path with different crafts, you start becoming aware of like how much bandwidth is going to be sucked up by different types of things. So for instance, like the day me and my wife record our podcasts is Mondays. And yeah. I know that between recording the pod, Editing it, getting it posted. I don't want to make any other commitments on Mondays. It's like a full day, not just time wise. I like having that day dedicated to mm. the podcast. Um, on days I have a gig, some days there's things that's natural as a parent. You've like you yeah. said, you've got or you got other things to do. But what I've come to respect internally is just that I am going to be preoccupied with the gig the whole day. From when I wake up in the morning until the gig, at some level, I'm going to be thinking about the gig. So I'm not going to set myself up in a way that is in denial of that. Like, no, it's... it's a bit of an out, just How emotionally. Do do kids,
0: like, How do you do that with... Well,
2: it's just about going, like, if I get a little bit stressed and yeah. say I snap back as a parent yeah. or whatever, yeah. and my wife's like, dude... I'm just yeah. like, sorry, I'm stressed <laughs> about the show tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just it's... acknowledging that it's a factor in and communicating every single thing that. That... Com- yeah, it's like, just, yeah. and it's communicating with myself, going like, yeah. hey, don't be surprised. Like I'm feeling a little stressed. Oh, yeah, remember you've got that show tonight. You're nervous about it. It's so for yeah. me, a lot of it, it's I, I don't really um I don't know. I, I don't buy too much into like rituals or I, I just like to create space in my life and in my mind, for things that are important to me, and trust that organically, what will come up will be right to serve that. If I'm open to just honoring it, you know,
1: open to like okay to listening to what is there, uh, what you need in that moment. So you're yeah, like if I even, feel
2: like God, I really need a walk on the day yeah. of the show. I'll be like okay, take a walk. But it's not or even be food. A like I have to take a walk every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food. You yeah, could
1: yeah, be yeah, like, oh yeah. well, some days I might need a fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> So,
0: no, and but it's also, also knowing what you need i think that's the whole and then being able to communicate that because it's like you know when you're parenting it's like like I, I find that really hard that you know like i just need an hour before a gig sometimes uh, if I've had the kids, because I do drop-off, I do pick-up, I do the dinners. I'm like, uh, if I have a show at nine, I, I need I need that more. I can't put them to bed. So I put them to bed then I, I, I can say goodbye to the kids because I'm just, I'm not there. Well, it brings I'm
2: your not... energy down. It like puts you yeah. to bed, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 right, right. Yeah. I mean, how many times have parents fall asleep putting their kids to bed? Because oh. it basically like just wraps up your day. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're not and coming like, back from that. I
0: don't know if you've ever same It's like sometimes I, when I take my
1: kids in, I'm like, I'm a little bit jealous, I'm like, why am I I not in bed? It's hard, uh, reading goodnight gum nuts, that's eventually gonna knock you out. But um, what about in terms of stress management? You mentioned stress that you know that it's gonna, so it's almost to me, first thing that comes to mind for me is like, I'm not a surfer, but I know there's so many analogies with surfing that resonate with me, which is like, you can't control the wave, you know the wave's gonna happen, so it's ridiculous to try and push back or you accept its existence and then try and ride it to your best of abilities. So that's kind of what I kind of took away from what you said about how you're going to be feeling that day. But are there things that you have found beneficial to you specifically that does, um, you know, alleviate some of that stress?
2: Well, I even feel like stress is a wave itself. Yeah. So like, I remember when I was studying Qigong, which is like this, you know, Chinese sort of internal martial art, they call it. Um, and the, the Qigong martial art- Internal martial master, art, what do you mean by they that? They call sorry. it, well, because it's a, it's about- it's not about forms. It's about the manipulation of your energy. Essentially. Okay. So it's, but the, the, the Qigong master used to say the real meaning of the Tao, you know, it's the Tao De Ching. He would say the yeah. real meaning of the Tao is to wake up and go, oh, today's going to be a stressful day.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: It's a stressful day.
1: It's an acceptance. You
2: to, yeah. You don't have to make it a not a stressful day. What, what's wrong with like stress, even stress. It's like we've come to demonize it so deeply stress is a response to a threat Uh and failure is genuinely threatening. If you're trying to build a successful, happy life where you can continue to put food on the table. And if you have a gig where there's a chance that you might, you know, not get like, like to me, that's a valid, it's valid to feel stressed in the face of career things um, because the stakes are real, especially as you get older. So, I think this whole idea Especially of like when you get sometimes old, we like, sort of, yeah, like, sometimes we sort of gaslight ourselves yeah. into not feeling stressed when the reality is it's more about just accepting, oh yeah, it's kind of a stressful job and it's yeah. okay to be like, I think, bet you a heart surgeon at that moment is like pretty stressed when they're cutting yeah. open. the chest. It's stressful. It's more about just like accepting it, realizing that you're feeling stressed because the stakes are high and it's because you care and you'll get through it. I
1: I love what you're saying. And I think I'm with you almost all the way to the point, like 100% agree with what you're saying. And it's more healthier to acknowledge that stress is your body's way of coping with a threat. And it's not a mechanism that needs to be eliminated. It's there for self-preservation and protection. Don't lose it. But I guess the stress that comes to mind when I think of it is the stress that tips over to the point where it stops servicing you and instead hinders you from achieving your goals. You know what I mean? Or like being a balanced day in in my relationship or whatever, I don't I try my best not to let the stress of a gig fall into not being a present with my partner or having a bad show, you know permeate too much into the next day. That's the kind of what I feel can be like excessive stress. stress that isn't. I, I get services. that.
2: I get that, but I also think that still what you're talking about is not the stress itself. It's talking about the way you're handling the stress.
1: Uh-huh,
2: right. The stress itself right. is, it's a nervous system reaction. Uh-huh. Right. If right. Right. Then, right. If you're then if you're then losing your temper uh-huh. because you're under stress, that's not the stress's fault. It's just the management of the stress is difficult. Um, I understand which is the so, Which is so I
0: genetic, think... I reckon. I reckon some of that is just yeah. some people are born with just, like, I look at my two kids. One can already handle stress so much better than the other, and that's the difference between my partner. I'm no good at handling stress, yeah. but she's amazing at handling it.
2: And, and I've also had a lot of like, me and I only have had a lot of very beautiful conversations that have begun with one of us saying, wow, I'm really stressed and I kind of need to talk. Can we talk? Mm, and yes. then you explore it a little bit. It's not to deny the stress, it's to use the stress as an indicator that you need some support.
1: Yeah. And what and a so, beautiful
2: way you know, to take
1: something that could be quite negative in, and use it in a way to connect and build, like go closer to your partner. So you're like- Because it's
2: vulnerable. Hey. It's vulnerable. If you say to your partner, wow, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like juggling a lot of things right now and I'm really overwhelmed. I'd love some support. Mm. I mean, that is an honor when someone comes to you with that, not by like starting a fight and then you got to talk just to get to make up so that you can have a nice conversation, you know? Yeah. And And even...
1: Sorry, Ben. It can also extend to friends as well. I I reckon I was going to say that even if you don't have a partner, I know that Ben, like my single time, I would reach out to you during the pandemic. And, and talk things with you going, hey, I just need to speak, you know?
0: It's yeah, totally. and, and and I think sometimes it's like even those in situations where you do seek that help, which I, you know, and it takes years in a relationship and even with friendships, but then, you know, they're like, I'm really stressed, I need your help. And then sometimes like, well, honey, I don't have the space for that, but I would love to talk about it later. And there's that thing where it's like, and that's when life gets in the way, whether it's sick kids or sick parents, you know, like just that kind of thing where it's like, I sometimes... Eventually you will have that conversation, but everyone just processes it so differently. Like, and that's, and I, mm. and I still, there's some days where I was like, I wish I could handle it better. And, mm. but instead of wishing it, it's like, well, what you can do is you can be proactive about it at least talk about it. Like, yeah. like, it was, like, I think. Um, it's
2: pretty healthy. It's pretty healthy to feel stressed about, I think about really big things. Yeah. Especially you're life going the through moment. a hard time. Yeah. And you, your kid's having a problem and you're like, you're stressed because like it's your job to protect this person and if it's like and if you're not doing a great job of it it's like really stressful like you've taken on a big responsibility so
0: and even if you forgot to put their reader in their school bag
1: for the third week in a row (laughs) it's stressful (laughs) (laughs) stressful. (laughs) uh ben we met we met first on uh a mastermind i think it was that right? was stressful yeah. too that was that very was really stressful it's <laughs> a pretty stressful competitors with us yeah, <laughs> and yeah and that's right we had to pick up uh we had to choose a cho- uh, topic of uh, expert topic and mine was the tv show friends uh, which all our listeners would have not guessed i would have easily guessed that's what, what i would have gone yeah. with but you you went with psychedelics right and psychedelics is something that i am i was always Completely blocked off to. I'm like, nope, no thank you. But over the last five years, the amount of people that I look up to and respect have have uh, talk about the profound shift in mindset that they've had from carefully, uh, you know, under very uh, good supervision and good trustworthy sources, tried psychedelics, whether it's mushrooms or, or, or ayahuasca, and had these life changing experiences that have helped them be better parents better partners better performers Uh, it's made me really want to look into it more and 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 maybe even you know start micro dabbling if that's even a phrase um can you talk to some of the experiences that you've had I suppose or how did you end up how did that topic become your area of expertise first of all
2: yeah I mean I just I also just thought it was a fun subversive thing to talk about on television especially on mastermind Um, yeah (laughs) but but I think for me you know, much like the conversation about creativity and the muse, it, it all of the best stuff in life happens when you're brought to your knees. Uh-huh. And I like that psychedelics... I, I'm not a big fan of microdosing because I think it's like... It's almost like... Um, I mean,
1: I think yes. there are probably
2: uses for it that are like almost like antidepressants where it's like you're just rejigging yeah. the brain chemistry. But to me personally, what's mm. more interesting is the effect that a large dose of psychedelics can do on bringing someone to their knees and right. when they have been resistant to admitting how not in control they are of their life.
1: It's an and ego death, isn't it?
2: It's an ego death. Yeah. And I just think that is, that's. And you haven't been the- there. Have you, you haven't been. No, there, I mean,
1: I problem. bombed pretty hard in September, 2013. <laughs> that was an ego death that has definitely risen <laughs> uh-huh. 10 years on. And I'm still thinking about it.
2: Yeah.
0: But I do agree with that. I, I, I've spent a lot of time living in the Netherlands before smart shops closed <laughs> down, to, and um, and uh, and I just remember that yeah, my experiences on psychedelics were uh, very like just the point where I do remember them, and I remember them very fondly. And the one time where I was brought to my knees, and I didn't know what to do, and I couldn't hold on to one thought in my head, I met an Argentinian man. Uh, at, a, at a club, and he said, You're freaking out. I said, Yes, I am. I can't hold on to one thought. And he said, All you need to do is bring two thoughts together. And I was like, I don't know what you're saying. He goes, Think of bread. I'm like, What? He goes, Think of bread right now. I'm like, I'm thinking of bread. Then you just only think of bread. I'm like, I'm thinking of bread. Now think of butter. I was like, What? He goes, Now think of butter. Think of butter right now. And I'm like, Okay, I am thinking about it. I can't. He goes, Think about butter. Think about butter. And I was like, Now think about the bread again. I was like, I about- Now put the butter on the bread. I'm like, I'm fine. I
1: don't remember. I, don't, I didn't yeah. remember the time. I was like,
0: "I'm fine," and I, I had, had a profound
1: night.
2: lesson.
1: <laughs> now, Tim Tim Ferris uh, talks about how trying to explain what a psychedelic uh, trip or feeling to someone who's never had it is trying to explain an orgasm to someone who's never had an orgasm. You can sort of, sort of tell roughly what the feelings are like, but you never truly understand what that would the feeling is so I, that's kind but of the, what the, I feel but like the right difference
2: that the one difference with that would be I think when you first have an orgasm you're like wow this exists wow uh-huh. whereas with psychedelics it's like you know that it always existed ah uh, you're, you're just you're in it, you're like, it you're like oh my god this has been there the whole time underneath my other experience like yeah. I have this experience on a daily level of what i have to do and what i'm my obligations are and the kind of person i think i am and i'm presenting this way and i've you know and then you go oh underneath it there's this part of me that is a humble child in this strange universe and i'm kind of in wonder yes. mm. and i think that it's it's like it's got this revealing thing that can be very healing to sort mm. of reconnect you to something beyond your primary identity healing is the word that pops sorry. up a fair oh, bit
1: yeah. sorry yeah healing is the word that pops up a fair bit and i guess that's what i'm gravitating towards but then i hear you use phrases like brought to your knees <laughs> and i feel it that 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 scares me so much the idea of like being stripped away of all my bullshit and all the stuff that i've you know told myself is important about me and then i'm just this core thing is something kind of afraid. I feel like I'm like Voldemort at the end of like, you know, the seventh book where he's just like a half, like a bloody baby in a in a white train station. <laughs> well,
2: how what do I'm- you feel about, how do you feel about nightmares? Do you find them, do you, do you value them or do you only value positive dreams
1: i value this is bizarre i've had this discussion with my partner a few weeks ago which is i love the feeling of waking up from a nightmare and realizing it was just a nightmare and going oh my god that's not real i'm still okay my relationship with my dad is still good or whatever it yeah. is that that yeah, i yeah. freaked out about can in you, the moment Still, can you get out of none uh, I have at times been like, I think I've had a dog the size of a dinosaur chase me. And then I was like, this is really scary. scary. So I'm scary. <laughs> and then I went, wait a second, dogs aren't that big. Fuck you, you're a dream. And then I woke uh, myself up. Like, so I, yeah. I just I'm, think,
2: like, I think of like when we're learning about who we are,
1: uh-huh.
2: like our nightmares are often the more revealing dreams. Uh-huh. Like, they show us what our fears are and what our neuroses are. And, and, and in some ways, I think what gets called a bad trip. Right. Is just like they're actually the ones that can give you the most information about right. what you're running from, uh-huh. you know. And and, I and, like- and just to add, just to add to that, so to not romanticize, just for people yes, listening, yeah. like like it's also, it's dangerous in the way that rock climbing is dangerous. Yeah, like it is. You are choosing to ramp up the level of difficulty in the terrain that yep. you are traversing. Right. And the rewards of that are massive, but so are the dangers. And I think you see a lot of people hit certain parts of themselves that, especially people with um, predispositions to mental illness or psychotic breaks or something where they're already not tethered very well to reality. So it, it, it sort of is an unstable exploration. I love this. that analogy
1: is just like one after the other, because yeah, the word tethered makes perfect sense in this context, which is that if you're not tethered to a rock climbing, uh, you know, if you're rock climbing and you're not tethered strongly, you are going to, you know, got into a lot of trouble. So I'm glad you said that as well, because it is something that we're obviously wary of trying to, You know, because I I like to keep this podcast as being something that is not necessarily a how-to, but just a sharing of people's experiences. And it's not a guide as to this is what you need to do to be that. It's very much like, hey, this is what... Um, you know, we had that uh, Matt Ellsbury talk about losing weight by punching, you know, video playing a video game, but he just kept punching the screen or whatever. Right. And I like, I love that because that's not saying everyone needs to go out and get a video game, you know, and he's yeah, out yeah, on yeah. the v- vitamin D that's available, but it totally. is what worked for him. And similarly, I d- I do feel, I would love to talk to more people about the experiences they've had. And, and I'm glad you did give that count, not the counterpoint, but the, the bigger picture, which is that if it's not, you know, the, the, the rewards are as as high as the risks are. Well, it's just
2: why- I'm a non-dogmatic person. I don't think the same thing works for anybody. You know, it's yeah, like you've right. got to... And, and ultimately, advice from anybody should be taken with a grain of salt. It's like we've, we've <laughs> all got to find our own way. Yeah,
0: and that's why I find it sad that smart shops got closed in the Netherlands because you were able to purchase psychedelics. You were able to speak to someone who had a lot of experience and you had someone write down how much you should take, when to take it, how to do it, look at it. You had someone to talk about it. and now They were it's called like,
1: smart shops?
0: They were called smart shops and wow. then unfortunately... Uh, they uh, were closed down uh, due to yeah, a couple of instances in close proximity in the government. Well, we can't have that anymore. And then they shut them down. And they've been around for years. Um, and, um, you know, like, yeah, so it's just like, and they were everywhere. You could just, you could get weed in Holland, you could get mushrooms, but now. It's not, ben,
1: no, we should no, do a no, Patreon so. episode where we're both on mushrooms. Oh my
0: god, <laughs> no, it's ben been is, a while, but uh, I do. Uh, it, would, it, would be, it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and, and but then silence as we just listen to Ben Lee's music. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you <laughs> have heard santa claus is a psychedelic the one we
0: Oh,
1: Bentley, um, yep. look, uh, it is thank getting you. dark in la there's a, a a tail wagging in the background i assume oh yeah oh yes i my can dogs, only see the tail. My two
2: dogs yeah, yeah yeah
1: all right we need to uh hopefully yeah, well, good to chat budget. to you
2: guys thank you for having thank me thank you so much.
1: uh your podcast with Ioni is uh weirder together
2: yep weirder together people can download that it's weekly uh, my record that's out now is called i'm fun I've yeah, got shows right. coming up around Australia in basically end of November. People can find them cool. on my socials and um, yeah, right. check it all Thank out. you so <laughs> much. Uh, and thanks, oh, there he goes. <laughs> and, hey. and before we go, just
0: Ben, thanks. Uh, just thanks for starting career when you did, because for me, you just, you, you're just part of me growing up and it's just an absolute honor to, uh, I appreciate uh, just want to say thanks. So. appreciate it.
2: Thanks, mate. I appreciate
1: All right. Take care, everybody. Right. Dilrup Jake uh, on Instagram and Ben Lee, uh, Ben Lomas comic
2: on Instagram <laughs> for us. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye, guys. Thanks a Bye lot, guys. Dad. Ben